Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. on the show qb class himself Derek Classen, making a return appearance and this time this man has written chapters about the nfc north in the football outsiders almanac always an exciting time of year Derek, when the almanac drops and uh, we can deep dive into pre-training camp takes on the nfc north what is up my friend not much. Uh, it was very exciting. You know, it, it's one of those things where I feel like the like month and a half sprint that we do to get this book done when it's over is like the most gratifying thing I do every year. Like just the feeling of like, well, off my shoulders, don't have to worry about it. It's in um, and it'll feel even better. I think it goes on print uh, next week, so it'll feel even better then. But yeah, very exciting time. So Awesome. Uh, the best place to get the Football Outsiders Almanac, probably what? FootballOutsiders.com or whatever internet you use? Yeah, uh, FootballOutsiders.com. You can get the digital version now. Um, and then when print comes on, uh, you can either get it at Football Outsiders. I think it'll just redirect you to Amazon. And then, you know, the easiest place other than that is to just go straight to Amazon. Or, you know, if you have a Barnes & Nobles near you, anything like that. So. Okay. Or just Google it and I'm sure it will right, come it'll up. Come up. <laughs> people can figure out how to get football things. So let's uh, discuss. Here's where I wanted to start. Not with the Vikings necessarily. We'll work our way to that. But if we let, let's talk about a little more in depth, because that's what you do at Football Outsiders when you write this almanac about some of the narrative storylines of each team, starting with the Packers and their wide receivers. So the biggest thing that we've talked about all offseason is Devontae Adams no longer plays for this team, of which you could hear the celebrations from Vikings cornerbacks when he moved to uh, the uh, AFC. But uh, these other receivers, so Sammy Watkins has been around a while. And if people don't know this, Sammy Watkins believes that he is some sort of lizard king. You ever seen this article? Yeah. Yeah. So he, yeah. <laughs> he told, I'm not kidding. I'm not making this up that he told Tyler Dunn. He believes he's some sort of like descendant of lizard people, which same uh, actually, I mean, if you really go into the science, we all are, but that's not a whole point um, to make. They've got Sammy Watkins. They draft a couple of wide receivers. Alan Lazard still exists. Randall Cobb is old, but he's there. Like, let's let's go through that. Like, is this actually dangerous because Aaron Rodgers is throwing them footballs or is this going to be a big problem for them? I kind of am of the belief that it's not that big of a deal. Um, I Well, it there's two sides of it. On the one hand, it's a big deal when you lose the literal best receiver in football, right? Like that is going to have some impact. Um, and I think the rapport that he had with Rodgers was really important. I mean, they were the best back shoulder duo in the NFL, um, basically forever. I mean, Rodgers has always kind of been that by himself, no matter who he's starting to, but it helped with Adams. Um, and then Adams was just kind of like a skeleton key for their offense. He could line up outside. He could be the number one in trips. Um, he could be the number three in trips. Like he, they could do whatever they wanted with him. And I think that was important for their offense. 
at the same time, I think all the guys that they're trotting out there at receiver are like fine starting players. Like Alan Lazard is a good number two. Like he's a really good blocker and I think he's a decent red zone threat. Um, and he's a good player to have. Randall Cobb, probably better than people realize at this stage in his career. I think he was like fairly efficient last year. It's just that like, it was kind of the joke of like, ah, ha, ha, Rogers is bringing back his old friend, which was definitely funny and true at the time. But I think he was actually fairly productive. And then Watkins, I think, is also like, in an ideal world, a good number three for a team who can be like a block and yak guy, which um, I don't know. I, I don't think that's a one for one with MVS. You know, we haven't really seen Sammy Watkins be that kind of field stretcher um, for a few years now, but I still think he could maybe return to that again. So I think they have a lot of guys who are decent players. It's just they don't have a number one anymore. For 28 quarterbacks in the NFL, that would probably be a problem. I think for Aaron Rodgers, I'm like, it'll figure itself out. <laughs> so it almost comes down to, in some ways, we're going to find this out in Kansas City too. Can a bunch of dudes who are decent add up to one dude who is unbelievable? Uh, because Devontae Adams essentially was their whole passing game, just throw it to Devontae Adams every time. Uh, but instead they've added, you know, more people who can help. And with Christian Watson, I guess we'll see. I mean, you know, you're talking about such a massive jump that I can't really even add him into this conversation until he shows that. And there was some Rogers quote where he mentioned everyone else except for Christian Watson. So like, well, Rogers in a rookie, it could be pretty tough, but I also think that this and Casey are a very interesting test because as receivers are making pressing $30 million a year, teams are going to have to decide, do we want to go scrap heap Randall Cobb, Sammy Watkins, and maybe one other dude who's pretty decent, or do we really want to go all in on our one guy and then fill out the rest? Exactly. Like, I mean, I I kind of like what both of these teams has done because I – I think with as important as receiver is like these guys are going to be paid and that's fine. And I think if you are not also breaking the bank at quarterback, that's an okay thing to do. It's just a problem that both of these teams are breaking the bank at quarterback. So they cannot pay these receivers like this. Um, I actually think what both of these teams have done is pretty interesting. I think it's probably going to work out better in Kansas city just because I kind of think, even though they're all still kind of role players, I just think the guys that Kansas city have are better Um, But I still think in Green Bay, like a lot of these guys offer different things. Like I said, Alan Lazard can be your red zone guy. Um, Sammy Watkins can be a field stretcher maybe. And he's also a good blocker, which I think is important. Um, Randall Cobb, I think he's a really good like short to intermediate guy. So like they all have these things that they provide. And I think because they all kind of fit together in that way, a quarterback as good as Aaron Rodgers is going to be able to problem solve and like on each play understand what is the best outlet for what defenses are giving him. So it's... I think my take has honestly been that like during the regular season, it's not going to matter. And they're going to be like a top seven offense regardless. I'm just a little worried about like what happens when you get to like the conference championship. Um, if they can do that, like then it's like, you're probably going to really start to feel the the loss of Devante. That's probably where it's going to start to hurt. But I mean, if you can just get to the conference championship with these guys and I think they can, that's all that really matters. Like just getting into the dance. So I think they'll be fine. So if I were to tell you, actually, I have a crystal ball here, and it says that the Green Bay Packers only won eight games this year, uh, and Rodgers was healthy the whole year. It's really crazy because blank happened. Like, what would have had to happen for them to not be the division winner? I think it would have to be that Sammy Watkins is literally useless. Um, like, actually, just like 200 yards, just barely a shell of himself a shell of himself, that sort of thing. And the defense would have to be 
like half of what I think it's going to be because I think the defense, if everything clicks right, they can be like a top five unit. Um, but if maybe some of the rookies don't play well, a um, couple guys get dinged up, whatever, then I think that's where they start to have problems because I think the offense, the way it's going to work is like they're going to be a really efficient, sound offense that is consistently putting up, you know, X amount of points a game. You just worry about their explosiveness. And I think that explosiveness would become more of a that lack of explosiveness would become more of a problem if they get behind in games. And of course, the defense would be responsible for that. So to me, it's just having Watkins give them some semblance of field stretching um, and then the defense maybe falling apart. Like those are the kind of the two things that I would be looking at for them. Right. Because they run the ball well and their offensive mm-hmm. line, I think, may not be as good as it's been in years past, but still should be okay. And Rogers usually makes it okay. But I guess I wondered what you thought about what they did in the draft, because we talked about this for many years with the Vikings, where it's like, if you're drafting someone that you really have to rely on to succeed, that can be very dicey because out of all the first round draft picks, you know, maybe eight to 10 of them become good right away. And then the other ones might need some time. And then the other ones might bust, but you have no idea. They decide to go with defensive tackle linebacker, like these positions that we don't always say are really smart ideas, but when a team is all in to try to win the Super Bowl, okay, now we're going to go for that position of need. I'm, I'm not sure that that's the best approach to just say these guys have to be significant for us. I think it's, Obviously, everyone wanted them to take a receiver. Um, but if they didn't like anyone at that range, I don't necessarily um, I wouldn't necessarily criticize them for not taking one there. Um, the Devonta Wyatt pick, honestly, like I just think it would be really hard to be worse than Kingsley Kiki was last year. <laughs> so that's really all he has to do is be as good as that. And I think with as explosive as he is, um, it would not be very hard. So I'm kind of okay with that pick. And then the Quay Walker pick, I think linebacker has traditionally been a really hard position to play early on in the NFL, at least since like 2014, 15-ish. I think once we really started to see the spread era of, of football like really hit the NFL, linebacker became a real hard thing to play just with RPOs, play action kicking up, um, all that stuff. It just became like a really difficult lead for them. However, I do think bringing in Quay Walker fundamentally changes what Green Bay is allowed to do on defense. Whereas last year, there were, a lot of what they were trying to do is like, they still played a decent amount with two linebackers on the field, but by God, they were doing anything they could to play with one, um, to just play with Devondra Campbell on the field. Um, because Chris Barnes is useless in, in coverage. I like him as a run defender, but he just is a huge liability in pass coverage. And then the other guy they were playing is the opposite, Oren Burks. He can like kind of cover completely useless on run defender. Whereas like Quay Walker even if he might have some rookie struggles, I think he is a really sound and strong run defender. He can take on blocks. He can run sideline and sideline. And then in coverage, if you go back and watch Georgia's defense, the structure of it, like anytime they needed a linebacker pushed out to like trips or pushed out to the field to cover, it was Quay Walker like 90% of the time. Like they were like, this is the dude who can cover space for us. Um, and he's going to be able to like be that bridge between our insane blitz packages and our safeties getting enough time in the back end. And Quay Walker was like the bridge for that. And I think he can do that um, in Green Bay, at least a lot better than whatever Chris Barnes and Oren Burks were giving them. So I think even if he's a little inconsistent, I think just like the fundamental change that he brings to the defense and easing pressure off the safeties, I think that that goes a long way. Because if those two safeties get more freedom, those dudes are good, man. Adrian Amos and, and Darnell Savage are really, really good. So um I think it is a lot of projection, but I really liked both players. So, 
So we've reached the point now where Vikings fans get nauseous about hearing too much <laughs> of the Packers. So what is the win projection for football outsiders on the uh, Packers this year? I don't actually remember off the top of my head. I know we have them slightly favored to win the division. Um, and I think like around seventh or eighth in the NFL total. Um, don't quote me on that verbatim. because okay, I, I shouldn't have put you on the spot. You have to buy the book. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Said, buy the book, man. Yeah, buy the book and then everyone will know. Um, but yeah, I think we have them slightly favored to to win the division. But um, not in an absurd way, right? No, like, not, not in an like, absurd way. It's way. like yeah. it, they're not going to run away with it. Um, I don't think they're as complete as they were last year especially on offense. So yeah, I didn't mean to be super specific there. I just like meant in general, are we talking like greatness or not? And it seems like the answer is not exactly. Uh, It's a a flawed team that still has Aaron Rodgers. So let's discuss restoring the roar, the uh, Detroit lions. Uh, Basically people fall into two categories on the Detroit lions. You are either a restorer of the roar where you believe that They are on a timeline where we've seen a lot of teams succeed. Like even think about the Miami Dolphins and how awful they were when they stripped it all apart. And then the next two years, even without good quarterback play, they're still an above 500 team. Maybe they got good coaching. I don't know, but they they, they decided (laughs) to get rid of them. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but uh, I, I guess I wonder if you are buying that they will follow that sort of path. And of course, with Jared Goff, not be a legitimate Super Bowl contender, but from a Vikings perspective, be a dangerous team. I'm in on the Lions long term. I don't think it's I don't think it's I don't think the ship is ready this year. Um, I, I really like some of the additions they made on defense. Like, I think that was really the issue last year. If you watch their offense, like before some of the injuries at receiver, like this was probably like a slightly below average offense. Like they had some dudes like Jared Goff. Sure, the Rams traded him, and he's not very good. He's never going to be your franchise guy, but like he's a fine starting quarterback. Their two running backs are really good. They have a good offensive line, and they they have a good tight end. And then they locked into Amon Ross St. Brown in the draft. So like the offense was fine last year. Um, the defense was just they literally had like two players maybe who would start anywhere else. Um, so I think all the stuff they did to change their front is going to hopefully have a nice um, cascading effect for the rest of the team. Because I think one problem they had last year was like their defensive play calling. They had this thing where like, they just did not blitz you on first or second down um, because I think they didn't trust their secondary to hold up whatsoever. So they were like, screw it. We're not going to do it on third down. They would bring pressure, but that's also like everybody brings pressure on third down, but it just, I I think if they could get better play in the, in the back end or at least better play in the front end and trust those guys to get home faster, they could mix some more stuff up and actually make offenses think about what's going on instead of just like we're running cover two on first down, we're running cover three on second down and we're blitzing you on third down. I mean, like, okay, uh, that was just all they could do with the players they had. So I'm kind of excited with the direction. I think Aaron Glenn was a really good defensive backs coach in new Orleans and tried to do some cool stuff last year. They just, every time he tried something, they realized they didn't have the players and they were like abandoned it. Um, And then I think man Campbell is actually like, I, there's something to like the CEO rally everybody type of coach. And I think, I think he has enough of the qualities to make that work. Yeah. I was talking to a position coach the other day who's been around a long time, not for the Vikings, just somebody I know. And he was saying that like, there's lots of different like, categories of coaches and none is better than the other. Like mm-hmm. there are rah, rah coaches who are about 
faith family football who connects really well with players and, and are great organizers of people. And they don't need to be the scheme guy as long as they have scheme guys around them. And then there are others like Belichick, who's the ultimate scheme guy, but is the farthest thing from the rah, rah guy. And you can have like that, you know, sort of different success in different ways. Um, but I think that you bring up a very important point that when you have, and the Vikings have seen this with Harrison Smith. When you have awesome players, you can do so much with them. And then you get to be a genius. And when you have terrible players, you can't do anything with them. And then you get to be an idiot. It's just like, this is the league, right? Uh, I Here's a question for you about Jared Goff, though. Um, because he's such a fascinating case to me of someone who was so good with their offense. I mean, you don't just see teams rank number one or two in offense just out of nowhere. Uh, but not at all a guy who can carry a team or something like that. And he's plopped into the situation that is truly horrendous with a team that had no chance whatsoever. And I feel like he's better than that by quite a bit, but he's also nowhere near the quarterback who runs a number one offense. And here was, but here's my question though. Like who's, who's a Jared Goff comp that isn't like one of the current like Kirk or, Jimmy Garoppolo or Ryan Tannehill or Baker, like the ones that we all talk about playing in these play action systems. And I was trying to think of like, who has a similar career to Jared Goff where they have like a hot run where they're amazing and they win a lot. And, but they're really just not that good. It's kind of a, it's a very weird thing. It doesn't happen that often. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, maybe like Kaepernick, you could say was kind of like that. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause like he had a pretty insane start and then tapered off a little bit was still like a fine NFL starter. Like golf is, it's just that it was clear that that peak was not sustainable. Um, and I think we've seen that with golf. That's probably just the first one that comes to my mind, maybe like RG three, but also that was like an injury thing. So like I, I, that one's kind of tough. Um, but I don't know. I think golf is, <laughs> I actually think uh, I've heard before that people have called Jared Goff a, um, He's basically like a jugs machine where like the ball will get where you want it to go if it is pointed in the right direction and calibrated correctly. It will. Like Jared Goff is a very accurate throw. He has a good arm. It's just that like getting him there, it it takes a lot of work. Um, And I think when you don't have good enough receivers who are open consistently, that's going to be a a pretty big issue for him. Um, I will say like Detroit having an offensive line, like as good an offensive line they do is huge because I think Goff is always going to be a guy who just holds the ball. Like he just, it's not that he's necessarily waiting for the home run. I think he's just a guy who like, if he doesn't see the thing that he wants to see right away, he just like freezes. Like he just locks up and doesn't know where to go with the ball anymore. So I think when you have an offensive line that good, that can keep him upright a little bit longer. I mean, that was why I think he was so successful in Los Angeles. It wasn't necessarily the, the skill talent they had. It helped. Uh, it was just that they had Andrew Whitworth and a bunch of other dudes who were literally the best offensive line in football. I don't know if the lines are that, but I think they're kind of on the right track with him in that sense. Folks, want to remind you to go to sodastick.com. That is S-O-T-A-S-T-I-C-K.com. Use the promo code Purple Insider for 15% off your purchase. It is summertime. It's baseball season. They have all sorts of great Minnesota baseball gear. And if you are prepping for training camp, get your Purple People Eaters shirt, your Can't Stop the Thielen hat, and all sorts of other great football designs. Go there, sodastick.com, S-O-T-A-S-T-I-C-K.com, promo code PURPLEINSIDER for 15% off. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. There's also a part of it that we try to separate everything into different categories and say, well, their receivers are good, but their line isn't good and this and that. But with most receivers, the more time you give them, the more open they can get. And the more time you give the plays to develop, the more they can get to their entirety of like, you know, going one to two to three back to one or whatever. Like you can't get back to one. If your right guard gets blown up immediately. Right. <laughs> Trust me. I know I've seen it many times in Minnesota. Uh, the Vikings have right guard problems. Really? Yeah. It's a first. <laughs> I was just, so this is fun. I, I'll read these to you. So I was just writing about my right guard preview um, because I am focusing entirely on right guard because of how bad it's been. Uh, so I wrote some jokes to start off the article. Uh, so here, I'm going to give them to you. Tell me uh, if they're any good. Two Vikings right guards walk into a bar and the bartender walks right by them and sacks Kirk Cousins. <laughs> okay, here's the next one. What's big and purple and won't be here very long? A Vikings right guard. That's also good. <laughs> knock, knock. Who's there? Right guard. Right guard who? Oh, it must be training camp again. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that one's the best one. <laughs> I don't know. You have to lead or end with that one because I think that was the best one. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the best one. So uh, yeah, there you go. People can enjoy that <laughs> brilliance of football analysis at the website, but I, back to the Jared Goff thing, I pulled up the hall of fame monitor and there's some really good comparisons. Mark Bulger is a pretty good one who was amazing when there was the remnants of that Rams offense. And then as soon as it faded, it's like, no, nope. <laughs> uh, David Garrard is another one. That's like not a bad comp. Neil O'Donnell, Jeff Blake had a year. Steve Berline, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of Jared Goffs around there in in football. I think so. Guys who, if it's perfect or it's really great, they can be great, but otherwise, not so much. Um, so what's uh, you don't have to tell me football outsiders win total, but like, what do you think? Like seven, eight? I think like I think they should be shooting for like the six to eight range and then if they by some stroke of god if jameson williams comes back early if aiden hutchinson is actually that good maybe you get to like nine that's like the ideal season but i think like six to eight is like where they should be shooting they should just try to look because last year it seemed like they had like they looked like an nfl team in the sense that like they got everyone to try really hard clearly on offense they had like a sound game plan um they had a few cornerstones you were like yeah this kind of looks like an nfl team but everything like they just didn't have enough players where it, it ever worked this year i think they actually have enough players to like be competitive and actually take games off of of serious teams like last year they had competitive games with serious teams but for the most part they weren't actually able to to take games off i think this year they actually can take a couple of games off so they can get to like seven wins um and really just get better play out of their their young guys. Like, that's really all you're hoping for, is just hoping that Sewell takes another step, that Jamison Williams can be healthy and look good, that Amon, Amon Ross St. Brown can take another step. Like, I don't think the win total matters, but I think, like, six to eight is probably the range. All right, so here's a one last follow-up on that. Is just, um, so if they win, like, eight games or seven games, 
are they screwing themselves out of the top quarterback in the next draft? Like they have to be drafting a quarterback next year, but it, or is this a situation where they could trade all of their draft picks because they've been working on this and filling in those big positions already? I think they could just end up trading that way. Um, because like, yeah, they kind of already have a bunch of cornerstones that they want. They got their offensive tackle cornerstone that they want. Um, they got their pass rushing cornerstone that they want. I like a lot of the other guys that they've drafted over the past couple of years. Um, obviously, Amon Ross St. Brown was good. I think DeAndre Swift is good whenever he's healthy. Um, I think the, the, uh, another defensive end they drafted this year, Josh Pascal, is actually like really, really good. I think he can be whatever they thought they were signing when they signed Trey Flowers. Um, obviously, different regime, but like I think it's a very similar player. Um, so I don't know. I think they could still be fine. I'm also of the opinion, like, I just don't like tanking. I, I just be competitive. Like it's a sport, be competitive. And then you figure out the rest later. And I know that sucks because it probably does put you in a worse position to, to draft the quarterback. But like a lot of that stuff is kind of random anyway. Like I think just be competitive and continue to do smart things to the best of your ability. And when the right opportunity arises, the right opportunity will arise. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But like, it's not going to work out for 85% of head coaching regimes anyway. So um, I'm kind of fine with them just being competitive to, to their best of their ability. Yeah. I do think there's a difference between completely tanking and going Oh, and 17 as like Cleveland, yeah. uh, as far as your organizational health and having to make the right decisions for your salary cap future and your draft picks and all those things that results in you having a bad season, which I think was more of Detroit. Like we're not what going they did to last win. Year. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. More of Detroit last year. We're not going to win with Matt Stafford. It's just time to move on. So I, yeah, I think that there's definitely, there's something that's a real competitive rebuild, which is what they're using here is the term, but the Vikings aren't actually doing that. Uh, they're just trying to be competitive, but let's, okay. How about this? Here's a bears question for you. Let's say that you're uh, it's the middle of the night. You're snoozing. Somebody runs in and they said, Derek, wake up, wake up. You have to do a Ted talk right now. And you're like, what? Who's it? Who's a, what's it on? I, where am I? And you're like the bears. You have to do 15 minutes on the bears and 5 million people are going to watch it on YouTube. So go run out there and do it. Like, what would you, what would you do it on? I, I would probably talk about all the things that Justin Fields might be <laughs> and how, we probably aren't going to see what those things might be, at least this year. Um, I would also probably, I would make it more of an abstract thing about like how not to treat your quarterback. Um, because it seems like the bears just, I don't like on the one hand, I almost wonder if like all of the not getting offensive line help and not getting good receiver help for fields this year was like them just committing to year three with him anyway. Um, I don't know. It just seems bizarre that they went into the year again with this offensive line um, and these skill players. Like their best receiver is Darnell Mooney, who I know fantasy people love Darnell Mooney, but like he's a wide receiver three, like on a, on a good team, he's a wide receiver three. Um, he just happens to be, he was a wide receiver two last year because that was the situation they were in. And he's a wide receiver one this year because the situation's even worse. Um, and then a lot of the other guys they have like Byron Pringle, he's fine. Um, but he's probably another wide receiver three. Um, and he's really kind of more of like a blocker short intermediate threat, which I think is a good compliment to Mooney, but still neither of them are like huge volume hoggers. And then I just don't really like anybody else that they have. I know they drafted a couple of guys. They signed Equinemius St. Brown, who 
not as good as his younger brother, evidently. <laughs> um, so I don't know this. I'm just very mad at the Bears for what they've done to one of my favorite quarterback prospects in in a long time. I mean, the um, the situation that people fall into is just so much. Like I, I had mm-hmm. this discussion once with Kirk Cousins and I was like, I asked him, like, what do you think it was that you like, you know, helped you be a fourth round pick that made it? And he was like, I got to sit on the bench for several years and then I got to start under Kyle Shanahan and I, and I looked this up who in his first start ran like 60% play action or not. Uh, yeah. Kyle Shanahan and Mike Shanahan, right. Right. Ran like 60% play action. And then when I took over as a starter, I had Sean McVay as my OC, uh, what Trent Williams, two great tight ends. They had three like great wide prime to Sean right. Jackson at the time. Right. Right. I mean, like Jordan Reed, I think was probably still good at the time. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, really good. And uh, Vernon Davis. Yeah, he was actually their their number two. Yeah, yeah. So they had two awesome tight ends, two awesome wide receivers. Chris Thompson could catch the ball out of the backfield. Yeah. Like the guy had so much, and he recognized that. Like it, a lot of it is circumstance. Now that's not the reason Kirk is better than Jimmy Clausen, for example. Like, <laughs> right, there's still some personal accountability. <laughs> right, Kirk's ability to throw the ball, read defenses, prep, run an offense—all those things are so far ahead of quarterbacks who completely fail. But if there's always going to be the question if the Patriots or a really competent team had drafted Justin Fields, as opposed to a team ready to fire their coach and their roster was a disaster and their cap situation was a disaster. Like what would we be saying about Justin Fields now? That's the thing. Like I've even seen some people say that like Mac, they would rather have Mac Jones than like Trevor Lawrence. And it's like, can you imagine what Trevor would have done in New England's offense? Like he would have been better than Mac. And that's not even to take away from Mac. I think Mac is a solid NFL starter. It's just like Trevor was incredible coming out of college. And if you put him in that offense, he would have looked good. And I think the same is true of, of Justin Fields. If you put him in that New England offense where they were going under center a ton, doing a lot of the, the play action stuff that I think Fields proved to be really good at in Chicago when the office, when they were allowed to do that, you know, when they weren't behind the scoreboard 20 points. Um I think that was what he was best at. And I think, yeah, if you had put him in New England or if he had to start in in San Francisco or something, like he would have looked like a competent player. Um, it's just, I don't know. He, he didn't really have a shot. I think, honestly, this sounds insane to say. I think a lot, if a lot of these quarterbacks, rookie quarterbacks, had been able to play in Houston, they would have looked better than they did. Because I think Houston, for as talent deficient as they were in a lot of ways, um, they still had Brandon Cooks, which I, which I think was really good. Like that's a good one, number one, better than a lot of these guys had. And also their offensive coordinator situation was good. Tim Kelly was good. I think Pep Hamilton was on the staff and he got promoted now to offensive coordinator. He's going to be good. Like the coaching part of this really matters. Cause like, if you go back and watch like the bears offense, their protection plans were horrible. Um, they were running way too much, like super spread static dropback stuff um, that I don't really understand why you're doing in the NFL. Like, I think you can get away with it when you're at Ohio state and your wide receivers are always better than the cornerbacks you're facing. I think when you have Allen Robinson in his current state and Darnell Mooney can't really do that as much, especially when you have a rookie quarterback. So I just think it it was a coaching mismanagement thing, talent mismanagement. Maybe the coaching thing is solved. I think coming, you know, Luke Getze coming from green Bay is, you know, it, it does seem like it could be a nice move. I think structurally it makes a lot of sense. It's just the talent problem is definitely not solved. 
No, not even close. But I think that I was trying to figure this out about like where the bar is for Chicago, because the trouble that Chicago is going to have, or maybe it's a good thing for them. I don't know, is you get to the end of this year and you win like five games and you're drafting number four overall. And here's all these quarterback prospects somebody's probably going to be there for you if you want them. Now, in terms of my galaxy brain thinking of how to build a football team, I would say draft them anyway, and then have Fields and the guy, whoever you draft, go against each other and then trade them away. That's not football, though. I mean, that's like if you draft someone else, you have to trade Justin Fields. Like that's just society. And uh, I think that's a really interesting scenario because he could actually play pretty well but win five games, but then are, are they saying, all right, well, we only won five games. Are we going to still bet on him for the future and pass up on whatever quarterback we like? Like, I think that, that, that they've put themselves because they screwed up the timeline. The teams that should have drafted him were probably like Denver and Carolina that were ready to ascend as opposed to we're going down first with you. Like that's a, that's kind of like uh, almost like Sam Darnold with the jets, where it's like your team is actually going that way and you have a rookie quarterback. What are you doing? And uh, I think that's going to put them in a really tough spot. I would prefer if they would just trade him. <laughs> um, even if he plays fine next year, I would rather them just get out. And because like, like kind of to, to your point, like the timeline just would make more sense if they had another rookie quarterback after this year. Um, I still just like Justin Fields a lot. And so I hope it works out. Um, I don't know. Like I think if Justin Fields plays well and looks promising, I think they can go into next off season, like, fixing the offensive line, maybe adding some other veteran receiver. And then if they're at three, four, five in the draft, you get like Jalen Carter, Will Anderson. Like they're going to have, you know, if, if uh, assuming a quarterback goes like one and two, if it's Bryce Young and, and CJ Stroud or whatever, maybe Will Levis, if the NFL actually likes him that much, um, they're going to get one of these insane goblin freak defenders I think they really, really need that for this defense after losing all the goblin freaks that they had. Like Khalil Mack is gone. Um, Akeem Hicks is gone. Like they still have Roquan Smith, but if that's the only dude in your front that that is like that level of player. I mean, Robert Quinn is is good, um, but I don't think he's quite like what, you know, Khalil Mack or Pete Akeem Hicks was. So I think I think they'd be fine to, to, to keep Justin Fields and to just pray that one of those insane defenders is there. Yeah, I think that, what you have to do though, is like, you've got to hit on it, which is a weird mm-hmm. thing to say. Cause you never know if they're going to, but you're always laser focused on that rookie quarterback window. And you already blew two years, essentially, unless they Absolutely. completely shock us, you have blown half of your rookie quarterback window and you can stretch it out. Like if you look at Mahomes or Allen, if you sign the guy to a huge contract, you could stretch that out to about five years where they're cheap, but even then, if that's when you're just becoming good, then you're screwing yourself. So great job, Bears. You know, the Bear, <laughs> look, the Bears historically usually handle the quarterback position great. So I'm oh, very yeah, surprised. totally. <laughs> okay. The, yeah, the I think I, the last thing I'll say to that point is like I don't think they can be good until year four of his contract. Like I don't even think next like 2023 they'll be a good team. They might be like competitive-ish, but not like actually good. Like the roster's just that far away. So I think I agree. Like the, the timeline for fields is just this is what happens when you try to draft a quarterback to save your job and it doesn't save anyone's job. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. What do you think, like five for wins? Uh, Yeah, probably. Like yeah. the Because the thing is, too, like the defense kind of helped keep them in games last year, even though it wasn't great. And I think defense is probably just worse. So I, I think they're in a bad spot. And now the Minnesota Vikings. And uh, this is what's great about podcasts is that I found that people listen to the whole thing, which is awesome. 
So like on ra- when I used to do radio, people would duck in for like 10 minutes and they would hear 10 minutes of the show and they would think that you said something you didn't and then it was crazy. But now it's all on tape and people listen to the whole thing. So I appreciate everyone who does that. But we have finally reached the Minnesota Vikings in your thoughts. Uh, I will tell you, man, throughout this summer, there's been a lot of like great questions from fans. And I've been doing these fans podcasts and stuff because people are smart and clever. But on the whole, I've struggled to find that one angle where if someone woke me up in the middle of the night, even though it's all I ever do, I'd be like, I, well, yeah, is it Kevin O'Connell? Is it the defense? Is it like Kirk? No, it can't be Kirk. Is it like Jefferson in his future? Or is it that I think that um, I've really struggled to like grasp onto that one big Vikings topic that is just like driving the thought process going into uh, training camp. I honestly think it depends on who you're talking to, because for me, it's Jefferson. But for me, it's Jefferson in like a very I'm super interested to see what he might look like in a Cooper Cup role where he's blocking more, where he's in in line more. Like, I'm fascinated to see what it looks like. It's just the thing is, for the common fan, probably doesn't matter because he's not going to be any more productive, really. He's already like a top three receiver in the NFL. So probably nothing that they're going to do is going to change you know, his production all that much. I just think from like a scheme perspective, it, it's fascinating what he might be because I think Jefferson is truly one of the most, not just like explosive best playmakers, whatever. He's one of the most flexible receivers in the league. I don't think very many receivers are as good inside and outside as, as Jefferson on any route, any depth doesn't matter. Like he is just that guy. So I'm just fascinated to see what it what Kevin O'Connell is able to do with him, whether that's putting him in the cup or whether they just think, no, keeping him outside actually matters more. So that to me is the angle. Um, And I honestly think like if they can keep him super productive, that is the avenue to this team being good. Yeah. I think that the slot thing is kind of interesting, but like you said, it's so it's like super in the weeds, which is what we do here, but also we won't really know until they start doing it. I mean, when it comes to training camp, we might see some shades of it, Uh, also it's a little dicey too, with like how much scheme stuff you want to report because it's not, I don't know. It's just, it's like one of those things that's hard to report on. Like you want to report on what they're saying and you don't want to be like, Oh, clearly they're going to do this thing. Like, well, I don't really know though, because I'm just watching practice. You kind of look for big plays, standout performances, who they're talking about rather than, Oh, they're clearly going to run this scheme. Like, ah, yeah, that's especially when there's fans in the stands, like, dude, they know that everyone can videotape what you're doing. So they're running base stuff. So, so those people who videotape every play and tweet them out, like, congratulations, you're tweeting nothing, but like, hopefully you get some favorites. Um, So anyway, like that's going to be an interesting thing when it comes to when they finally hit the field, do they do that? And beyond that, I think that connects to the biggest question of all, which is really just what a new coach means to the offense. Because on defense, I just have a tough time seeing this defense elevate so much to the point where you are elite and that's driving your success. So what this season really comes down to is, hey, Kevin O'Connell, are you a McVay? <laughs> like that, that's kind of what it ends up being. Yeah, exactly. Like, And the thing is, too, it's funny because the offense, I think, will be different in some ways if they lean into more putting Jefferson in the cup role. It's just like, even if that happens, it's still very similar to the structure that Kirk has had recently with like um, with the Kubiaks and Stefanski. Like, it's not one for one, but it's all in the very general same framework. So, like, for Kirk, it's not all that different, which I actually think is good. It's just a matter of like, can they ma- slightly maximize the receivers? 
um, a, a little bit better just in terms of where they're getting deployed. So that's kind of really all it comes down to for me. What I'm actually more interested in with the, the Jefferson Cup thing is not necessarily can Jefferson handle that role. It's can the offense handle Jefferson being in that role it when like Osborne is forced to play outside. And I don't think they can. I think that's my problem. I think Osborne is a good player. I think he's good from the slot. I really worry about what the offense would be if he has to play more outside. And that, that's why I'm kind of questionable. Like, I, I don't know if they're going to do the full cup thing this year because like, I just don't know if they have two outside receivers they want to rely on in that way. I mean, this is part of the reason that I was like draft a receiver, right? Yeah. Because even though I, you like KJ Osborne, what he can do, KJ Osborne's also 25. So it's not like he's 21 and just had this breakout season. Mm-hmm. And there's like huge elevation to go. I think he's a nice player who can really help you. But what's one more when it comes to a receiver, the Rams always said that, Oh, another receiver. Would you like to play for our team? Hell sure. Yeah. <laughs> All right. right. Uh, do you weigh 140 pounds Tutu Atwell? That's fine. We'll see. <laughs> and they would just take shots at it where the Vikings have, you know, they brought in Albert Wilson and they've got Amir Smith Marset, who some people were high on. And I think is intriguing as an outside receiver, but he had six catches last year and three are in week 18. So it's like, yeah, you can't really project right. that. That's part of it to me too, is, I just I just have not fully bought the idea that you're going to put Justin Jefferson in the slot and run him short routes all the time because he's so good at going down the field. I mean, statistically, the best deep receiver in the league and you're going to run him underneath all the time. Like I I just I think that's a thing that they want people to say, but I also think that if Justin Jefferson was actually revealing way too much about their offense, that Kevin O'Connell would have told them, please stop telling everyone what we're going to do in these interviews. So you have to take grain of salt a little bit when they talk about that. Um, You know, I also think that when we were just talking about what Chicago down the road, as far as what is the most fascinating topic with this team is like, what is its timeline? Because everything in the NFL is timelines and winning windows the laundry almost doesn't matter. It's just who's in timeline, who's in winning windows. Our culture is great when you're winning and your culture is trash yeah. when you're not. And that's the case for like 90% of the league. But they, they've put themselves in a position where they have to, um, they really have to win in these next two years. Uh, so I think that's tough, but they could also trade Kirk after this year and decide to draft someone, which is, it's, it's a very dicey spot. I feel like every year there's like some version of like, how can we get rid of Kirk Cousins? <laughs> yes. Um, and it's always like some different avenue. Um, but I do think that like with the new coaching staff, hopefully this is actually an opportunity for them to do that. But I think kind of like what I said with um, the Lions, like I don't know what the Vikings should do to like be worse <laughs> and just get a rookie quarterback. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't, I think even if they subbed out Kirk Cousins um, like for some other random just below average NFL starter, like this team probably still wins seven games. Mm-hmm. Like there's no way for this team to be good enough to get a rookie quarterback anyway. So I think they would have to it would pretty much almost exclusively have to be like trading Kirk for picks or to the team that they're trying to get. You know, maybe if some other team, I don't know, is up at that pick and already has a quarterback because he got injured, you know. Just some situation like that. I, I don't know. Th- these are the, like, there's no good for way, way for them to get out of this. Like, I think they probably have one of the most complicated timelines in the NFL because there's just no way out of it. Because at least, like, with the Bears, like, yeah, it's a complicated timeline. But they also have just a cheap rookie quarterback. And if he sucks, he sucks. They can just move on. Well, with Kirk, you know he's not going to suck. Like, you know he's going to be good enough to to win you 
nine games. And so I don't know. They're just in a, a weird spot. I think kind of like I, like I said with the Lions, just do the smart things to the best of your ability. And I think this offseason they did. I think they did do a lot of smart things for trying to compete this year. I thought signing Harrison Phillips was awesome. I thought drafting Lewis Seen was good. The, the way that they got there in the draft, I think, was bad. But getting Lewis Seen was good. Yeah. Um, I thought they just did a lot of good things. And so I, I just – I like when teams try to be competitive and I think the Vikings are trying to be competitive. So I like it. Yeah. I think um, I'm naturally skeptical because I've seen competitive, but not legitimately competitive for a Super Bowl for four straight years. And I think that a lot of Vikings fans are in that same spot. Uh, but yeah, the quarterback situation is like an escape room where they have to answer a bunch of riddles to find the key <laughs> to what the next quarterback is. Right. It's just like it, the, the toughest scenario, and we'll finish on what how many games you think they'll win, but the toughest scenario is if they win 10, they make the first round of the playoffs, and then they get steamrolled, and then you go, well, we won 10. This means we're pretty good, but Kirk is going to be 35, and now what? You know, like, do you run it all back? Was that the peak? Is there more? But everything that went right to win 10, is it going to go right the next year? And, like, this, this constant back and forth of that has been uh, essentially my existence since about 2018. So uh, what, what's the, uh, what's the win total you think for the Vikings? I think, I think like the nine to 12 range. Like I think if a bunch of things do bounce out, like, like they, they could win the division. Like, honestly, I, I don't, I wouldn't peg them to do it, but I think if green Bay is slightly worse than I think they're going to be. And, and the Vikings kind of hit their, their ceiling and Kevin O'Connell is as good as we think he is. And Justin Jefferson goes off and Adam Thielen is still like, the red zone gods somehow. I think if all these things happen and the defense takes a step forward, um, which I think they can because I think they got a lot. I think they are going to be better up front. If Hunter can stay healthy, I think adding Zadarius Smith, for whatever what happened with him last year, I still think he can be a good uh, player, even if he's not at his you know 17 sacks a year peak. Um, and then obviously Eric Kendricks is still back. Like Harrison Phillips I think is huge because I think – their run defense was really oddly bad last year. Like horrific. It's it's weird because to me, like if you watch them and you just look at the defensive tackles, I feel like they had a lot of good reps. Like Michael Pierce had a lot of good reps, and then it's just I feel like their bad reps were just horrendous and they just got like steamrolled when they had bad reps. So I'm hoping Harrison Phillips kind of fixes that because I think last year he really came on strong as, as a really good run defender. So hoping that has like a cascading effect. But um yeah, I would say like the nine to twelve range. Maybe you win the division if, if some things break right. Yeah, we saw them lose at least two games purely based on the run defense against the Rams and against the Browns mm-hmm. last year. Where the, the Browns quarter- game. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, court, the quarterbacks Man. played horrible in those games. Baker yeah. and Stafford played horrible, and they lost those games because of the run defense. And, well, <laughs> the offense has got to score more than 14 against the Browns anyway, but or more than seven, I mean. So, right. anyway, well, follow you on Twitter at QB Class. Read much more about the NFC North in the Football Outsiders Almanac. As you said, the digital copies are out now, footballoutsiders.com, and uh, soon to be the paper copy, if you like that, which I tend to. Uh, So uh, very exciting stuff, man. It's a great time of year as we march toward training camp. So awesome to get together with you again. Very fun. And uh, write your own right guard jokes. I might have to. I'm I'm kind of upset I didn't slip one into the Vikings chapter now. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thanks so much, Derek. Thanks for having me.